Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mercatus Podcast, Digital Grocer, episode 37. I'm your host, Sylvain Perrier, President and CEO of Mercatus Technologies, and joining me remotely today uh, from the dungeon under his house is uh, Mark Fairhurst, our <laughs> VP of Marketing. Mark, thanks for joining. I'm still in the dungeon. <laughs> still, I know. Still. It's like our third podcast, and you're you're down in the dungeon. It's my pleasure, yeah. yeah. And so we just got some interesting news from our premiere. I think we're going to go through another series of lockdown processes. I think we're forecasting with the current measures 1,600 deaths, 80,000 cases. Yeah, just in our province. Population in our province is 14.5 million people. Yeah. Almost half of the country's population. So it's kind of interesting time. Staggering. Right? Staggering numbers. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, we recently hit over a million COVID-19 cases worldwide. And it consider you know, with over 10,000 in Canada, 230,000 in the U.S., over 50,000 deaths worldwide. It's unprecedented. Yeah, it is. It's scary. You know this. So my mother's in a what we call a long-term care home. Mm-hmm. Can't see her. You know, it's uh, they refuse to have any outside visitors. And, you know, she's 82, mm-hmm. and they're projecting 20% of that age group to, oh, God. to pass away. That's terrible. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Mark. Yeah. Well, she's healthy so far. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Could you not go knock on the window? No, no, they will. No, she's up on the third floor. Oh, it's kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah, I might get arrested if I. I don't want you on a ladder, Mark. No, no, no I don't yeah. want. Let's avoid. I, I'm scared of heights. Okay, well, that's good. That's I'll keep you off the ladder then. Discretionary retail is being or has been decimated. You know, with the shuttering of you know the cities and tons of states and you no know, Macy's last week furloughed actually 135,000 employees. Mm-hmm. You know, and countless other retailers are actually facing the same issue, which is terrible. Now, I guess the shining star in this or the silver lining, as they say, is non-discretionary retail. So grocers continue to be on the front line. You know, they're making sure that our communities are fed. And then there's at least some sort of sense of normal. And I trust me, I have no definition what that means, but it's not without its challenges. You know, was it this week that Kroger announced that they had a... Sales increase for the month of March of 30%? Yeah, I think it was early this week. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. But at, I think at the end of the day, there's still going to be some, there's risks for those guys. I mean, reality is that is all that money going to trickle down to the bottom line? Probably not. I mean, they're having to hire more employees. They're having to spend more time cleaning the store. There is the risk of inflationary price increases on food. And, you know, in the midst of all this, we're having some gig worker issues. And they're hard to come by. We've heard in some cases on the on the East Coast, you have marketplace organizations that have partnered with Marriott and Hilton, thank God, and taken yeah. in those employees that would have been laid off to put them to work. But nonetheless, what an amazing time or crazy time to be a grocery retailer. Definitely on the front line of the oh. public health crisis. Well, they are, right? And we should be thankful yeah. for them. And Mark, does you, is your grocery store, do they have now the plexiglass shields? Yeah, they just went up, I think, on Monday this week. Yeah. Well, it, it's like going through customs at the Toronto Pearson International Airport now. When you go in, into the liquor store, there's lines on the floor. They wave you over. You pull out your passport. You buy your booze, and then you go. But And I get yeah. it. I mean, it's about protecting those people, right? And, you know, the challenge is that we're all learning how to deal with this on the fly. This has never been no one's experience. 
No. Anything like this. No, I was... Not in a century. I was talking to John Deanna yesterday, who's the chief strategy officer for Brookshire's, and he's saying the senior team is seven days a week, 15, 16-hour days, just to make sure the operations continue to run, to make sure that the supply line is moving forward. And I can't imagine what it is. I mean, we're being inundated with calls on our side from small retailers that need support, and large retailers equally as well. But listen... Like I've said in all of our other podcasts, we're not experts at this, and we want to bring someone on that we can talk to and give us a better sense of what U.S. retailers are doing during the pandemic. So we've invited an old guest, and thank you for joining us all the way from Sacramento, Zach Wilson, the manager of e-commerce at Realize. Zach, welcome back to our podcast. Thanks for having me back, Sylvain and Mark. Glad to hear you guys are doing well. Thank you. And we're happy that you're safe and your entire team and your family as well is safe. And Mark and I were recording a previous show today and I was recounting back on March 11th, I was driving through the Dakotas and it was when the uh, the WHO, I don't know why people call it the WHO, but it's the WHO because the WHO is a band, classified COVID-19 as a global pandemic. And then President Trump addressed the nation that night and that's when it really started to sink in. What were the first series of wheels that were put in motion at Realize when you guys got the word at that point? The first thing that we did was we always keep that team member focus and secondarily the customer focus. So once it was declared as a global pandemic, we started running the processes through our head. How do we make it safe for our team members to work inside the stores and how do we make it safe for the customers to get the products that they need? The biggest challenges that we saw out there were around the sanitizing stations and just the, the hand sanitizer and the supply behind that. Because as you can imagine, when it's declared a global pandemic, that's the first thing that everybody's going to go and try and buy up from the customer standpoint. But it's also one of the things of the supplies in which the stores are going to need to do this. So luckily, being from California, we were one of the first areas of the country that started doing the shelter in place ordinances and some of the other proactive steps to prevent the spread of the COVID-19. So we took those action steps into our stores as well. We enabled the social distancing probably two weeks before it was mandated by the state of California, just to make sure that the customers were staying, staying apart and the team members and everybody felt more comfortable. Because you can imagine that once the pandemic was out there, there was a lot of chaos and unknown happening from the customer standpoint. Some of the other things that we did right off the bat was just go and look at our overall cleaning regimen that we had for areas in which customers are really focused on. Check stands, the handles of all the, the cases that you would open for the freezer doors, even the shopping carts. So right away, took those proactive steps. That's interesting. I mean, the run on toilet paper, I hate to say it was continent wide and it was so bad. And I, I grew up outside of our nation's capital and which is quite well known for pulp and paper production, two types of pulp and paper. So paper used for photographs, but you know, that industry is long gone. No one's necessarily printing photographs anymore. And the second one is newsprint. And that's the kind of the smallest, I mean, there's a third one. It's paper towels and toilet paper. They refired up two of the mills and we're cutting fresh wood off of what's called crown land, so owned by the government, to get the mill going as fast as possible. That is how crazy we've gone in terms of buying toilet paper. Just kind of a sidebar, since interesting you mentioned that. 
Now, I'm assuming you guys saw a crazy increase in sales. And did you have to change the way you orchestrate your e-commerce? We did. And similar to what Kroger saw as far as the increase goes, we were around that same increase. And the amazing thing is that customers, we already had a pretty loyal following when it came to e-commerce. So we had a decent volume to begin with. But as you can imagine, as Mark was talking about his mom, a lot of the folks that are on that 65 and older age are now using our e-commerce platform. So we went from doing our normal volume to tripling that in a matter of hours, not days. So as you can imagine, we had to change the process in which we fill and pick our orders with the current constraints they had, the teams have. So we went and enabled more of an assembly line pick than we did before. Most of our picking had been done by a single person picking multiple orders and then processing those orders all at the same time. But we turned it into a, we have pickers, we have those are the ones that select the items that are in the store. They're picking three, four, five, six orders at a time. And then we have another set of people that are just packaging, storing, and putting those orders up. And then lastly, we have what we call payers, the ones that are operating the POS and the ones that are running those orders out to customers so they don't have to come inside the store. One of the things that we ran into almost immediately was we didn't have enough team members mm. to support the volume. So we went out and hired 700 team members in a matter of three days wow. and then trained all 700 in the next 48 hours. And so as you can imagine, your influx of new team members who are unfamiliar with the systems for, and your existing team members, the process had to be simplified as much as possible. So the other thing that we also had to do, and you alleviated to it earlier, Sylvain, around paper products and some of the other products that we had a tremendous run on right out yeah. at the gates that's very hard supply chain wise to fill back up we had to dramatically go in and limit the number of products that we were showing on the website for customers to choose so it was a completely different experience from that standpoint as well did you find not sure if i really is are you guys using some sort of cgo system yeah we have a system that's called computer assisted ordering yeah that we tap into for our e-commerce fulfillment the issue with that, though, is it's all based off of the sales that goes to the POS. Mm -hmm. So as far as real-time inventory tracking goes, it's very difficult. Yeah. And then it does look into the supply chain, but if the supply chain is fulfilling at 15% mm -hmm. on some of those categories, it's a toss-up if you're going to get those products in or not. Yeah, I was speaking to a couple of retailers. They've, you know, some of them decided to bypass their CGO, and they still haven't turned them on. They've gone really old school in managing the supply chain. I don't know if it's a sense of confidence it's giving them. You guys didn't experience that, did you? We did to a certain extent because some of our suppliers that we have and some of the warehouses that we get the products from went to allocation because we share warehouses with other market competitors as well. So they had a, a number of orders that were coming in from the, those different retailers, but only a certain amount of products coming into the warehouse each day. So the inbound versus the outbound. The outbound was almost four times the amount what the inbound was. Mm, interesting. Did you find, and we saw this here as well as talking to non-Mercatus customers, that there was this tremendous surge of people over the age of 65, first, maybe second time e-commerce users, and it had put an incredible strain on the help desk and the strain that it caused was, please help me build my order 
Did you guys have that same experience? We did. In fact, that's where a majority of my team is focused now is we had a traditional call center or help desk of about 15 associates. And our call volume went from 200 calls a day to almost 12,000 calls a day. So what we did essentially is we took and stood up a secondary call center with 15 more associates, um, team members to help build those calls. And majority of those calls were from senior folks that had either one, never used the website before, or two, they're not technologically savvy. Yeah. So that a lot of questions and a lot of time on getting orders and trying to place those orders. Yeah. Number one question for us was, where's that password reset email? I think it's in my junk folder. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That was the number one. Now, since you guys are in California, what search for you guys? Because I know you do curbside pickup. Do you guys do delivery? We do. We offer delivery in almost every single one of our locations as an option. And the interesting thing is, is after we onboarded all those new team members and we got our stores staffed back up, we went and basically doubled the time slots that we offered before. Mm -hmm. And we saw a dramatic increase in pickup, but the demand for delivery was just as great. So we had to go at a 70-30 mix before this mm -hmm. all started on 70% pickup, 30% delivery. Mm -hmm. It's almost a 50-50. Right. And it was due to the senior community that didn't have the capability of getting out to get those groceries that needed to have it delivered directly to them. And did you guys go ahead and, cause I know that our clients, what they did is, Hey, it's great that you guys are, you know, surge buying all these things. They did like you guys did limit the quantity. They've also went as far as saying you can't return certain products. Did you guys institute the same thing? We didn't go down the path of instituting that. And the main purpose behind that is we didn't necessarily sell a bulk majority of those items to single individuals. Okay. So the customers here that shopped with us at Rayleigh's and the Tri-Banner, they understood the process from the beginning. It's one of the things that we put out there was eliminating the number of products they could purchase. And so they did a good job of self-governing. I know that there were some stories that I heard about Costco's and Walmart's where people were buying as many as they could using toilet paper as an example products mm -hmm. and walking out with truckloads rather than what they actually needed. Right. Now, what are you guys doing to protect your associates? So we're doing a couple things. On the in-store purchasing side, we've put up those plexiglass shields at all the check stands. We've enacted a new rotating schedule with all of our, our checkers and our what we call courtesy clerks or baggers where every 15 minutes they pop out of the check stand and go wash their hands get cleaned up, make sure that they don't have anything on them before they, they trade back out. We also have looked at our hours of operation as well, because one of the things that we also have to maintain, and you'd mentioned it about what the, the company you're talking about earlier, Brookshire, yep. where their executive team is working you know, seven days a week, 14 hour days. A lot of our store team members are doing six days, seven days right out of the gate, because initially we thought it was going to be a sprint and now it's turned into a marathon. So making sure that they have time to rest and recover in between is one of the big things. And then on the e-commerce side, we've enabled the no contact drop-offs and pickups mm -hmm. for customers. So customers come in the parking lot, they text us or call us that they're there. They'll open their trunks, we'll put it in, we'll close it, and they're on their way. So trying to eliminate as many touch points as possible. And then on the delivery side, doing the same thing. We no longer are taking signatures to accept the delivery. 
we're making eye contact with the customer and then we're running away. Okay. Just to make sure that everybody feels comfortable. And the last time we spoke in previous podcasts, you know, you had this really well laid out product roadmap. Do you find because of the pandemic, you've decided to, hey, we're not going to do this now. We're going to focus on certain key things that will make life a lot easier for us? Yeah, it's dramatically changed what we had as far as our roadmap goes. The concentration has been fully on customer experience and team member experience. Mm -hmm. So we've ramped up all of our production around increasing capacities for the pickers and the associates inside the store on their devices. And then at the same time, also increase the capacity on our white label solutions and our vendor servers. So with the increase in volume, the one thing that we wanted to make sure that we didn't have happen is have the website crash or have our delivery partner and their systems crash as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And did you, besides requesting your partners to fortify their IT environments, did you guys have to do any form of fortification? Yeah, we also did the same on our IT side as far as increasing our capacities. We actually increased it enough that if we have to go down the path to do similar to what Kroger announced last week of standing up just a fulfillment store, mm -hmm. a dark store for pickup, that we could maintain that. In addition, we brought on additional team members here in the, the support center to help support not only that secondary call center and the help desk, but also maintain the systems and, and monitoring the system. And you know, I get this question a lot. I actually was in a CEO roundtable discussion last Friday, last Friday evening, actually. It was, at, I think, at 5.30. And, you know, people are asking me, do I need to rush out to buy $1,000 worth of groceries? Kind of explain to them our situation here in Toronto is a little bit different. We have two very large retailers that control 70% of the market in the country, quite frankly. So I said, you know, they manage quite well and they have a lot of strength on the supply side do you think the supply chain where you guys are is resilient enough to manage the demand i believe so in certain categories the issue is is that we had a lot of the panic buying right out the gate mm -hmm. so the supply chain took a huge hit for a period of four days and as you can imagine getting that inbound and outbound logistically set up from all of our vendors and our, our merchants that we get product from has been a huge challenge. We are confident that the supply chain has enough food in it to not have customers do the panic buying and spending the thousand dollars on groceries. With enough time, we see that there's a forecast of our in-stock conditions improving back into the 80s, 80 percentiles within the next, I would say, couple weeks at mm. this point. Our fresh products, such as meat, produce, those ones, we are back in the 80s right now. So customers have the capability of purchasing those products and for the most part, other perishable items as well. It's really the center store items like toilet paper, cleaning products that we're seeing the biggest challenge on. And then one of the things that we've done as well to help alleviate some of the pressure on the senior community is we've created these essential bags and basically it consists of products that customers will need, seniors will need, that will meet their dietary needs from perishable standpoint and also from a meal standpoint. Mm -hmm. So the second bag is more of those pre-made, ready to go eating options. And we're actually selling them at a break even to a, a negative because we know that the demand is there and the need is there for those communities. And we wanna make sure that we take care of them the best that we can. 
That's a great idea. You know, we tried to pitch that idea. We were kind of like stonewalled on that one. And I said, that's that's an idea that where you can really control or try to control shrink in these times where people will go for certain other items. Any advice for the retailers listening today? I'd mentioned it a little bit earlier, but right out the gate, we all assumed that it was going to be a sprint, that this would end after two weeks of being you know, self-distancing and self-quarantining. And as we look out at the next two to eight weeks, it's turning into a, more of a marathon. Mm-hmm. So whatever the other retailers that are listening right now are looking at is just prepare yourself, your teams to understand that we have to continue to build for what's coming and also take care of our team members, take care of our customers and take most importantly, take care of your families. So it's great right now that, you know, everybody's putting in the time and the energy, but at some point everybody's going to get run down. So make sure to take care of yourself and then just continue to plan for what this looks like. Because we imagine coming out of this with, on the e-commerce side, our new run rate being double what it was coming into it. Yeah. So this is really the pivotal point in which customers are now going to choose to use that option more than they did before. Yeah. Well, I think we've hit the FMI magic number of a hundred billion by 2025. I think we're there, Yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, Zach, I want to say thank you so much for joining the show again. It's always a pleasure having you as a guest. How can people get a hold of you if they have any additional questions? So they can find me on LinkedIn under my profile, Zach Wilson, manager of e-commerce at Rayleigh's, or feel free to send me an email at zwilson at rayleighs.com. Perfect. Mark, be safe. Be careful where you are underground. And (laughs) (laughs) you may have radon in that basement. Have you checked? (laughs) I've been in the house five years. Oh, well, you're fine. No effects. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, you're fine. How do people get a hold of us, Mark? www.mercatus.com. And I'll also put uh, Zach's contact details on the podcast landing page so they can they can reach out to him directly from there. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, really appreciate listening to our podcast. Please be safe. Take care of your family and your friends. And, uh, you know, if we all work together, we'll get through this. Make sure to tune in to our next episode where we will be tackling an interesting subject and likely interviewing an amazing guest. Peace. Peace.